Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is Reservations. I'm Jeremy Blair. And I'm Rain Whalen. Uh, we got it right that time. Uh, I don't I don't know if you watched last week's video, um, but the mistake that future rain left in uh-huh. is uh, when I when I exported the video, I could have sworn I told it to have it this way where we're in the right spots, but somehow it was uh-huh. flipped. And I was yeah. like, son of a bitch, I'm gonna have to redo yeah, but it. it. But then I was like, though. no. Well, no, but then fits. I was like, no. It's like, I'm gonna leave it alone. And yeah. then I but I put our names in the correct spots. Uh-huh. But the video is flipped, yeah. So so there you go. I did notice that it was flipped the other way. Okay, good. Okay, good. Tell me you're proud of me. I'm proud of you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, man. Welcome back, um, everyone. So you have some exciting news about a movie you saw this weekend. Um, I yes, I I cannot talk about this movie enough, even though there's very few people I can talk about it with, um, and that is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Uh, Ashley and I went and saw it on Friday, um, and it's it's a blast, man. Um, I mean now. Like I said, I, I haven't been able to talk to a lot of people about it because a lot of people haven't seen it. Um, like yourself, I want to I, I want to talk to you so badly about it, but you fucking haven't seen it yet. That's um, how I feel about Bo's Afraid, bro. I want to talk to everyone about Bo's Afraid. No one's saying it, so. Uh. Well, it's, I, I would have talked to you about it, but it didn't fucking it didn't come here for more than like a day, and I missed my window. Damn it! Um, uh, but but yeah, man, Guardians. It was awesome. Uh, I have been warning everyone. So if you're listening, Zach, um, it, it is emotionally exhausting. It, it's it's a great movie. It's phenomenal. James Gunn definitely went out went out with a high note on Marvel, uh, which is I mean, what you want, you know, before he now pivots all his time and energy to DC. But it, it was it's great. Ashley and I both agree it's the best in the series in the trilogy of the Guardians movies. Uh, mm-hmm. We agree that it's three, one, two. Um, really? But it's it. Yeah, it's it's that good, man. It, it 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 caps off every single story thread that James started with the first movie. Mm-hmm. He doesn't he doesn't make a lot of references to Infinity War and Endgame because he didn't really have a hand in writing his characters in in those movies, which I find kind of interesting. Um. But uh, but it's great, man. It's 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 phenomenal. Uh, I cried uh, the whole <laughs> movie, and I and I'm not ashamed, and that's not an exaggeration. I cried the whole movie, um, and it has inspired me, as we were talking about off mic, to get a um, Rocket the Raccoon tattoo, um, which I may I may get when Ashley and I go to go to Austin in July to see Blink-182. I've, I've already scheduled the time with my artist to start filling in my arm, but I might be like, hey, before you focus on this, can you just quickly just kind of put something right here? <laughs> well, people watching us can see where I'm pointing. People listening, I'm pointing to behind my ear on my neck. Um, I want to get Rocket's, uh, uh, his his number, uh, 89, 89P13. Um which I think would be really cool behind my ears. Sure. But, but yeah, the movie was great. Highly recommend it. Um, as of, 
I mean, it's only the second movie in Phase 5, but right now it's already the highest rated movie in Phase 5. <laughs> well, how hard is that? You know? Um, yeah. Yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, did not oh, did not start Phase okay. 5 off properly. So that was the beginning of Phase 5? Yeah. The next, the next movie we're getting this year in November is The Marvels. Okay. So hopefully... I have, very, I have little that, to no interest in that term. Well, well, dude, it's it's being directed by Nia DaCosta, though. She did the new Candyman. I, yeah, which I mean, I loved. We both loved. Um, yeah, we saw. Yeah, so. we saw it together. Yeah, yeah. but um, anyway, so everyone definitely go check it out. For those people who have seen it, don't spoil it for people. But I have been warning people: some scenes are very hard to watch, um, especially if you are an animal lover. Some scenes are very hard, but. It makes the emotional weight of the movie feel better, especially when uh, how the movie ends. So, but anyway, right. um, so Jeremy, well, what are we what are we talking about this week, my man? This is a very special episode for me, um, as it is my favorite movie uh, at the time of this recording. Uh, we are talking about Fritz Lang's M, nineteen thirty one, uh, starring Peter Lorre and a cavalcade of others. Um, yeah. Yeah, this has been exciting. um this has been a long time coming. I feel I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to look back on it or have future rain look back on it, but I feel like sprinkled throughout a lot of episodes there's mention of M. Yeah. So, this is this yeah. has been a long time coming. Um yeah. You know, it was funny cuz like while you were talking about your um your plans to get a a rocket tattoo. I was thinking, you know, I don't have any film tattoos, you know? Um, uh-huh. however, a few years ago, I shut up. Sorry. It's my cat. Uh, it's Annie. <laughs> She's being stupid. Um, I, uh, I thought about getting the M on my back. Uh, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. But I think eventually I want a full back piece. You know, this will be, you know, 30 years from now when I can afford it, but, um, I don't want something to be there. Right. So mm, no. that's sort of a, yeah, it's an odd starter, but I, uh, I thought that'd be cool And palm tattoos are excruciatingly painful, so I wouldn't get it on my palm. So that's well, and, and they fade so quickly, you know, uh, with how yeah. frequently we wash our hands. Like, I know it'll look like an M when you first get it and probably for the first couple of months, but then, in a year, it'll, you know, look like just yeah. two lines or something. It depends yeah. how dark. It depends how, you know, how deep they went on the ink. It depends on how simple it is. The more complex, the yeah. more it will fade and blob, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it would just be well, that's, end, but it would Well, and that's what scares me. Uh, hang on, everyone. Because I, I do eventually want to get a tattoo on my hand. Like, oh, hand tats would be cool as shit. Maybe, maybe also later on down the line, but that's what scares me. Cause like, like a buddy of mine, she's got uh, vines tattooed on her fingers that like kind of interweave and she had oh. to get them touched up because she had to wash her hands and it, and it faded like on the sides of her fingers. And I was like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to spend upwards of $300 to get a piece right here, it's going to look brand new. Like, I guess I'm just not using my hands ever again. Now it's less you're less likely to make it fade that fast there on the top of the hand, right? Um yeah. it, fingers are 
fingers, it's hard to keep the ink in and hard to keep it fresh, but tops of the hands, you'll be fine. Yeah. Well, we'll cross that bridge when, when, yeah, I, when I finally the, get the tattoo podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll cross the bridge when I, uh, when I finish getting this all filled in, but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so buddy, uh, since this was your pick, um, I want to ask you, sure. How did you, if you can remember, if not, I mean, I'm not going to force you to relive this, but when did you come across this movie and, uh, you know, what were your initial impressions? I can tell you the day I saw it. Okay. Uh, I'm just kidding. But I, I do remember when I, saw it. <laughs> um, I don't remember the exact day, but I was in it college. It was a Wednesday. It was a Wednesday. Yeah. No, I, I don't remember, but um, it's. I was in my crime films class at Texas Tech, um, okay. taught by Dr. Uh, Allison Whitney. So uh, shout out to Dr. Whitney. Um, sorry, cat got on the counter. Um, it, things were so much easier when we were in your apartment. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I was in my crime films class. We were... Mm-hmm. I don't exactly remember ex- like what the lesson was, but we had to watch M. We had to watch M for the for the next class period, and and I was nervous because it was a it was a full length foreign language film, which I I don't think I'd ever seen before um, or sat through, and so I was nervous because of my reading is so bad. I'm bad at reading, and so I was like, oh no, you know, um, uh-huh. like this is going to be hard. You know, and um, which I assume a lot of people probably think it's not, you know, um, it's not unique to me, but I was, you know, worried that it was going to be really hard. And to not only follow the story, but read fast enough and blah, 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 all that stuff. Uh, I think I rented it on iTunes and I watched it and immediately loved it. Um, first, it was a relief that it wasn't that hard. And, <laughs> um, and I just loved the way it looked. I loved the story. I loved how dark it was. I loved that, you know, it's 1931 and we're dealing with a serial killer and we're dealing with police and crime and, and different syndicates of crime. You have your, um, uh, your, I guess you would, they're not homeless. I guess some of them are, but anyway, they're the more, um, lower class crime. And then you have high class crime and then you have the, the police procedurals, and then, of course, all putting all together is trying to catch this one guy, this one serial killer. And it's um, Peter Laurie, of course, is incredible in everything he does. Um, and it was my first introduction to, to Fritz Lang. So this was the first Fritz Lang movie I ever saw. Um, and also probably the first full length uh, foreign language film I ever saw. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but that's not true. I don't think now that I'm thinking about it because in high school I saw passion of the Christ and that is all in, in, um, Arabic and Aramaic. So, um, anyway. Yeah. Directed by an anti-Semite. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and this, uh, this movie is the opposite of that. So look at that. Yeah. Um, um so Jeremy, would yeah. you like to let me have everyone know a little bit about the movie? Go for it. Yeah. Uh, But before we continue, like you said last week, um, if anyone is interested in seeing this, Zach or new listeners or whatever, um, 
if you don't want to physically buy the movie, which Jeremy and I have physical versions, but if you don't want to physically buy it, like Jeremy mentioned, you could probably rent it on iTunes um, or you can watch it or stream it on HBO Max, soon to be Max. And what'd you say, a week? I think a week and a week or two weeks. Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, you can stream it there. Um, okay. So, M, um, like Jeremy said, he, he Jeremy kind of talked a little bit more about the synopsis, uh, but everyone, uh, this uh, town in Berlin, um, is being plagued by a serial killer. Um, pretty fucked up serial killer. He is only killing children, specifically, uh, little girls. Um, and everyone is trying to find him. The police, the, the crime syndicates, because, um, he's ruining their business by killing these kids because no one wants to be on the street. Um, or people are riding there. They are fighting amongst themselves, which is ruining their business. Um, so now they have a stake in trying to find this guy and everyone just wants to find him. Um, they want to know why he's doing this and they want to stop him. Um, and just like we've been talking about with first slang movies, there's a lot of cat and mouse, a lot of, uh, police procedural, which is awesome. Um, I feel like, which we'll get into, but I feel like by this point in his career, Fritz Lang had really dialed in on the police procedural part of it. Um, and um, yeah, you know, uh, that's that's really about it. You know, I mean, they eventually catch him, uh, which we'll get to. They have an impromptu trial for him, uh, which in my opinion is the most intense the last 15 minutes of the movie is the most intense part mm-hmm. of it. Um, and we don't really know uh, what happens next. Um, the movie ends sort of ambiguously, uh, which honestly is the best way on how to end a movie like this. Um, and that's him. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jeremy, where, where would you like to begin? Well, um, Let's begin. Let's see. What do I most have written down here? Because um, I took a lot of notes this time. Um, before we get into sort of the the plot itself, um, I want to talk about how this is Fritz Lang's first sound film, his first talkie. Um, yeah, I was just about to say we should talk about the sound. And so – We've made it, guys. We have sound now uh, <laughs> in this series. Sorry about that. But um, we have sound. And instead of sort of like what other films were doing at the time um, where they're using the sound in sort of a gimmicky way or sort of a can you believe we can have sound in films now? Let's have singing for no reason or let's – shoehorn singing into the plot somehow and let's have lots of musical numbers or let's do this and instead of doing that fritz lang says i can use sound as a plot device instead Mm -hmm. right um have it be integral to the narrative and the plot and have it be important instead of just isn't it fun it's there let's have it be important it's there right like um, like you would say uh with our episode on duck soup 
<laughs> yeah, well, they, they did musical comedies anyway. So, I mean, that's sort of like yeah. whatever. That's what they did. Um, he's not the only one to really use sound or in some cases the absence of sound. We may we may get to it eventually, but um, uh, James Whale used sound in Frankenstein um, in a unique way by having the absence of sound be just as scary as sound. Um, so, I mean, Fritz Lang wasn't like I like to think he was a trendsetter here, or he's like the, the first one to do it, but not really. He was just one, you know. He was another one to use out in a unique way and not just use it for fun, right? Um, well, and and that's and that's something I looked up today, um, mm-hmm. which was that he, you know, using using sound as a motif, yeah. you know, with the uh, with the whistling, yeah. you know, which he was definitely whistle, the. By the way, oh okay, uh, Peter, Peter uh, Laurie can't whistle, so um, oh. and so Fritz Lang had to do his whistling for him. Um, <laughs> Which is the um, only nice thing he did for Peter Laurie, by the way. Uh, we'll get to that later. Oh, okay. Um, but, but yeah, so the but so again, using sound with the the whistling um, to identify him, right? To have it be mm-hmm. his theme. Now that was the first time that we're getting the sense of a character having a theme, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's sort of unheard of at this time serial killer movies are sort of unheard of this time police procedurals to this extent was unheard of and crazy right um and and sort of and of course really compelling right as we can see uh in in this and of course today police procedurals are not only are they just the norm but they're also very popular right Mm -hmm. um i mean how many episodes of criminal minds have you seen i've seen like I don't know, like 500 of them, however many episodes there are. I've seen a bunch of them. Uh, they're super interesting. Um, I've only seen like three. I've mm-hmm. never actually sat and watched Criminal Minds. Oh, you get on it. They're really good. Um, Law and Order is a, a, the obvious uh, example. But um, yeah. also with, with music, um, just the use of sound and dialogue, right? Um, the the uh, voiceover narration in this film um was was again groundbreaking right no one had done that mm-hmm. really so he's he does it in such a genius way so we're having those people talk on the phone right describing what mm-hmm. the town is doing what berlin is doing what um what the police is doing what um they're watching the the crime syndicate and they're doing this and they're having this phone conversation, but also what we now know is it's an exposition dump, right? But we're cutting to the visual examples of what he's talking about each time, making it over voiceover narration, um, which again, no one thought to do, right? I mean, the sound is pretty new still, but I mean, you know, they're like, Oh shit. You know, he's, we're, you know, he's like telling us a story that's really interesting, you know, um, instead of the camera just being on those two people talking, it's, it, you know, it seems so, so silly now, but it's a big deal. Um, and I had that written down and now I have to click it off. Okay. Um, so that was a, that was a big deal. 
uh, what else is mm. a big deal? Um, the camera movement was another like, one. Oh, dude, that one, one, there was like a, is it two and a half minutes of, um, I think they're, they're the, the beggars, um, the, the people who live on the street, that crime syndicate, that mm-hmm. when they're going through their, their hideout, that camera shot, it's like two and a half minutes. It's incredible. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's amazing. One of my favorites was when the, uh, one of the inspectors thinks he's got something with the cigarette butts and he's spelling it out with his finger. <laughs> like, and the camera keeps pushing in, not zooming in, pushing in on him. And it's yeah. just so fluid because he's like, because it's like each time that pushes in, he's like, wait. And yeah. It, it's, yeah, man, it, it's hit again. Like I said, with the uh, police procedural part, I feel like this point in Fritz Lang's career, he's like, man, let's just see what we can do with the camera. Like, like let's, let's, yeah, let's make it as fluid as we can. And what's more interesting about this film in a sort of like overall an overall context is that it's not this giant epic that he's so known for at this time. Mm-hmm. It's very small and intimate and and at times claustrophobic, right? And it's you know yeah. not a long movie, right? It's it's small in scale, it's small in time. And our characters are more nuanced and a little more subdued, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, Hans Beckert isn't Doctor Mabuse, right? He's not over the top, and he's not, you know, this this big immovable force. You know, he is just as small mm-hmm. and and as I don't know as as almost as insignificant as anyone else on the street, right? He's not this big old, you know, um, almost cartoonish sort of uh, character and figure. Um, yeah. Hans Beckert is no worry about it. No. Yeah. No. Uh, well, I knew, but yeah. Um, now would you say, would you say the reason that is, is because now I know if I can access the recesses of my memory from when we did that episode, almost, uh, four years ago, um, German expressionism by this point, not necessarily was fading away, but films were moving more into this noir direction, right? Yes. So there was so no, this, so there, yeah, I mean, this is sort of the, and, and, um, you, you bring up a good point that, um, this film is the beginning of film noir. This is, um, Go back and listen to our film noir episode. I can sort of list out the um, the list of the the checklist of what makes a film noir. But uh, the city, the city is a character, right? Uh, Berlin mm-hmm. is just as much a part of the story as as any of our characters are, um, and that is a big component of film noir. Film noir takes place in a very specific place, like we talked about in Sunset Boulevard. That can only happen in LA, right? Yeah. It can only happen in Hollywood and it can only happen at that specific time also. So, I mean, it's um, Sunset Boulevard can't happen in New York, right? That doesn't make any sense. Also because the, the title wouldn't make sense. Yeah. But, Uh, but uh, you know, but this would explain why, why 
why Peter Lorre's character Hans isn't as animated mm-hmm. as uh, Doctor Mabuse, right. uh, because I because if I like I said I, if I remember correctly because German expressionism didn't really fade it sort of it it pivoted into film noir correct yeah okay cool yeah yeah. um it's and we see it a lot in this movie is now we're starting to Mm -hmm. we're 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 going from exaggerated unrealistic um artificial shadows and lighting now we're going to very very high contrasted stark realistic lighting that gives you sort of a a natural feel right so we're 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 shining really really bright lights just in one section of this place so we get all of these dark shadows uh on the other uh part of the screen so that's we're starting to see a lot of that instead of you know what i just described um yeah yeah, and I was going to say too, um, another good transition or uh, not transition, a uh, segue before we get to the really delving in and picking apart the plot is the use of light in it. You know, I I love our our introduction to Hans, which is just a yeah. shadow. It's, yeah. it's so good. So good. And we, we don't see him like I don't think we s- actually see his face, Peter Laurie's face until the uh the 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 psychologist the psychiatrist is breaking down the letter yes and then i and think that's we what he's in for the first time yeah, yeah. Um, which uh did you i know i know you you wanted me well me future rain to put up some stills is that one of them no that is not one no of it them. is not um if you're friends with me on facebook it's my uh facebook who uses that anymore i do um <laughs> it's it's uh, my whatever picture uh not my profile your, picture the other one your uh your i don't i don't even remember what it's called i don't either but it's on my page so um yeah but i'm sure you can find it if you want uh rain if you want to put it up you can um that's a very famous still from the from the movie so that's fine um but yeah um yeah yeah the, the use of lights and shadows are is just amazing uh mm-hmm. i you know as i've and i'm pretty sure i said in the noir episode again i don't remember that was four years ago um i i really it makes me really want to watch the killing with stanley kubrick yeah because all the stills i've seen of that and his use of lighting i'm sure w- was probably directly influenced from this definitely uh night of the hunter is another one if you want to go mm. That again, dark uh, sort of plot line way. If you want to go the the sort of similar direction as M, yeah. and yeah, Night of the Hunter, yeah. man, the, I would recommend that one for sure. Um, it's incredible. Robert Mitchum is horrifying in that movie. Um, yeah. Okay. So okay. Let's see. Um, I love how in the beginning of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. again, we're using sound as a plot device. We, we're hearing the children sing their, their schoolyard song. Uh, it's sort of mm-hmm. like an eeny, meeny, miny, mo game, but they're talking yeah. about the killer that's in their, in their city, you know, which yeah. leads you to believe it's a, 
it's been a problem for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that it's been going on long enough to where kids are aren't super scared, right? But it's more well known throughout the city that this is happening. It's been happening for a while. They've made up a song about it, you know. Um, yeah, they've they've made an an urban legend about it. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and and I, it almost seems like people are still relaxing a bit because, um, uh, what's her name, Elsie, Elsie um, mm-hmm. Beckman, right? Because uh, Elsie's mm-hmm. mom doesn't seem like it's weird that the kids are walking home by themselves, right? Um, yeah, which I mean. You should, but that's fine. Um, but in contrast with this newfound technology of sound, I love Fritz Lang is still using these silent film um, techniques and motifs by keeping our eye literally on the ball that she has. Um, mm-hmm. That way, later on, when it just rolls into frame from that bush, you know that she's dead, right? Yeah. Um and of course the balloon guy in the um, in the power line. Um no sound, right? Um mm-hmm. it's using these visual cues um still keeping in with the silent film era that we're just now getting out of. Um so I really like that that we're not he's not going all in on sound, right? He's still right. using the things that he knows very very well in storytelling and combining the two to make this, um, this cohesive, uh, storytelling, um, which, well, awesome. and you know, and he, and he, and he does that a lot throughout the film. Um, and I, and I actually kind of forgot that, you know, I, I've got to mention, I was going to make myself a mental note. I, this is one of the ones I'd seen before, but I actually forgot, uh, when I was rewatching it, <laughs> that he does that he cuts the sound mm. in in quite a few places and i got really concerned i was like i was like um hello uh, <laughs> but then i remembered because when the sound came back i was like oh that's right that's right yeah this happens um yeah. and and it and it heightens the drama cuz now mm. we don't know you know cuz as we've been discussing with silent films, you know, the absence of sound abs adds a lot. But then when you have a movie like this, where, well, now we have sound, but Fritz Lang is still going to take it away. Mm -hmm. It makes things 10 times as worse. Yeah. It's, you know, and you're right. um, You caught it without looking it up that like, this isn't a hundred percent a sound film, right? He still is, like not using the soundtrack on some of these mm-hmm. uh, some of these shots. Um, I think it's 80-20, 80% sound, 20% silent, I think. It might be 70-30, okay. but um but yeah, not it's not all sound, right? There's still um in sound in talkies at this time still did that. It's not unusual. Um if you ever watch the jazz singer, which go for it, um Al Jolson, it's it's in every movie about sound or, or about that time in Hollywood. Um, I'll give you several examples. Um, Babylon, Chaplin, ah. 
singing in the rain. Mm-hmm. The jazz singer is what the what the people go see, and they're like, uh, "Sound is amazing. Our films need sound." Um, the Aviator is another one. Uh, they all there's a scene in there where they all go see the jazz singer, right? Um, that movie uh-huh. has has moments that are completely silent with dialogue cards still, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So yes, it's, it's amazing that there's sound in this film and of course groundbreaking at the time, but it's still a silent film at, at parts. A hundred percent silent, like again with dialogue cards, this doesn't have that. Thank God. Um, I like that he's using the silence in visual only. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know if you noticed in in Spies, but he was sort of – there were moments when there were long stretches without dialogue cards. And oh, yeah. He, he's using his – it's almost like he knew, right? I mean sound had come out at that time, uh, 1928. Um, so maybe he was like, well, let's see how long I can go you know, <laughs> without, yeah. without having to fucking – put dialogue on the screen because it, it kills the momentum of the story. Um, well, that's, and maybe that's another reason why, well, maybe that's another reason why I felt like the movie was a little boring. Cause like, maybe I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what it is, but, um, so yeah, poor Elsie Beckman is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Cause now it's been, several girls right that have, mm-hmm. that have been that have been murdered and so now as you were saying in the synopsis we are having everyone look for this guy because if the police are all over the place because they have no idea where he is and where to look right they're bothering the criminals that are known throughout the city that are just doing you know theft fraud uh, you know, nothing like murder, right? Um, yeah, these are these are and, these are good criminals. Yeah, these are the these are the guys that ain't so bad, you know. Uh, and so if the if the cops are constantly prowling the streets and keep going to the bars or keep going to the hideouts and and keep doing these daily check ins with them just to make sure that no one is none of these people are responsible, it's really killing what they're trying to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and I love where, where we're having the, the criminals, these are the, these are the more organized crime syndicate um, at that round table. And I forgot the guy's name, but he always wears gloves. I love that guy. He's sort of the leader. The safe cracker is what they refer to him as. So uh, I love, he always wears gloves character choice because he never leaves fingerprints anywhere um yeah because as we see in this film that is very much a a modern way to catch a criminal these days in 1931 you can still be caught with uh with fingerprints so if you're thinking about doing crime in the past go further than that um because they can (laughs) they can catch you with fingerprints in 31 um so I love that they're talking about what to do, how to do it. What, how are we going to catch this guy? Because if we don't catch him, we can't, we can't do crime. Right. Yeah. And they're coming up with a plan. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was just gonna say, and they're running out of money too. So, right. so they're coming up with their plan, and then it it cuts to the police and the detectives doing the exact same thing they're doing, right? And now instead and, of just because we spent a lot, we spent a while with the the crime syndicate, and then when we cut to the cops, I thought that was a cool cut, right? Mm-hmm. But now we're going to be with the cops, but then we switch back and forth, and and. It's so good. Yeah, man. I, I love that it's almost like a, a – don't laugh with this analogy, but almost like a ballet because mm-hmm. one guy will raise his hand and we cut to someone else and they've got the exact same hand up or mm-hmm. someone will get up and we're cut back to the other. It's – I was like, that's so cool. Right. It, it's it's again to to relay this this notion that this problem is so bad that these these polar opposite um groups of people are coming up with the same conclusions and coming up with similar ideas and having a common goal in mind granted uh this common goal ends up being a little bit different near the very end um yes in in execution right um literally in some cases yes i was just about to say literally literally and but I just love the intercut between the two of these groups of people uh, trying to come up with uh, a solution to the greater problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the safe cracker has this sort of – he's very serious and very um, – he's very no-nonsense about it, right? In mm-hmm. contrast with our detective, our lead detective – I'm going to find his name here in just a second. Um, so it's like, it was like Carl, Carl Lo, 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 Loman. It's L-O-H-M-A-N-N. Okay. Yes. Uh, Carl Lohman. Um, He's having a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. With this, um, which is fun, right? Uh, I like that his character is sort of like, you know, yes, this is very serious, but uh, this is fun. This is fun for me uh, to to try to track this guy down, and um, and he's going to be, you know, the what we would later um, identify as this sort of this sort of offbeat, um, sort of like he's the unorthodox detective that's going to come in and save the day, right? He's not right. He's not what you would think of like a hardball detective. He's sort of like, well, yeah, but you know, like he's, 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 he's not your regular old gumshoe. No, Uh, (laughs) we can see a lot of this. He's having fun, especially during the the scene where he's, he's at that bar and he's checking everyone's papers, checking everyone's IDs. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Even though this guy's papers were in order, he goes, yeah, I'm going to keep it anyway. You're going to go ahead and go. Uh, Yeah. He's having fun with them, you know. Um, by the way, um, Otto Wernicke. Oh, Jesus, these names. Anyway, he plays um, Carl Lohman. He's amazing. Um, yeah. So, okay. Um, right. So we have these. And it, again, it's not only those two. Um, entities in the in the town it's also the the beggars um and their crime 
you know, I don't want to say like I don't want to say syndicate for for the beggars because that sounds too sophisticated. Because you know they're they're beggars. I'd like to think of them as sort of like if you've seen John Wick, it's sort of Lawrence Fishburne's gang. You know. Yeah, um, I was just about to say that. What they are, and they're the ones that identify them later on. Uh, they're yeah, they're group. Yeah, th- yeah, it's almost like the the other the the other syndicates sort of like um, contract them out. Like, hey, you're going to help mm-hmm. us find this guy. Yeah, but absolutely do it. Do it the way y'all need to do it. Um, yeah, but yeah. Um, and and I love that we get when they find him. I love that we get a callback to the poster because, you know. I'm sure a lot of people are like, why is it a hand with an M mm-hmm. in it? And I, and I love that that guy takes that chalk out and is like, like really trying to get it on his hand. Yeah. Um, it's so good, dude. Like, you know, cause most posters, uh, you know, don't have callbacks to the movie, you know, Yeah. No. or, or, or anything like that. You know, maybe, you know, like shout out to, you know, Drew Struzan, who makes these amazing posters, but there's not any sort of callbacks to him. No, that is right. Yeah, but but you know, Fritz Lang was like, no, 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 don't worry. Like, you're gonna see what this is talking about. Yeah, it it truly is. It's great. Um, I love that. Um, again, using sound, I love the character of the blind man who sells the the balloons. Um, because in the bar, we see him sort of be very sensitive for his ears, right? Uh, with that mm-hmm. music crank thing. Um, I wish I knew what it was called. I've seen them a thousand times in other movies and TV shows with usually it's with a little baboon or a monkey or whatever. But I don't. An organ grinder. Is that what it's called? I think, I'm pretty sure. I think it's what yeah. you're thinking of. Cool. Organ grinder. Anyway, that guy was. Uh, cranking the organ grinder <laughs> and um and it sounds horrible at first and you know the blind man's freaking out and he's covering his ears but once it's calibrated he goes oh okay yeah um he's it's sort of fritz lang is inferring that this guy being blind has a very good sense of of his hearing and so um which becomes very important later on um and you, you know what it reminded me of a little bit? Mm-hmm. And maybe you can correct it, even though I've seen the movie. It reminded me of City Lights. of uh, okay. The blind girl thinking the tramp is yeah. rich because she hears uh, a fancier car go by. <sighs> yeah. She hears the door, the yeah. door shut of the car and she thinks that it belongs to the tramp. And it, yeah. Um it's because of that misunderstanding we have this whole movie, right? Um, yeah. I imagine I Fritz Lang saw sees that and like we could use that. Yeah. <laughs> but instead yeah. of instead instead of a guy trying to get the girl, it's a blind man trying to find a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> it just stems from him watching City the whole movie. It's him just is him watching City Light. He runs home from the theater and bursts through the door since he this is another movie he co-wrote with his wife. He's like, honey, I've got our next big idea. <laughs> so I, uh, I imagine him in his monocle just running like like Charlie Bucket, you know what I mean? Like from the chocolate. 
<laughs> full full Tom cruising arm pumping like arm pumping sure so dumb oh uh, man All right. but yeah um but yeah the whistle you know um which I'm gonna quiz you Jeremy sure. with hopefully you didn't look it up but you know what he's whistling I I heard them say it I again I watched I watched videos in preparation for this I read what it was called I don't remember anymore I didn't write it down in the hall uh, in the Hall of the Mountain King. In the Hall of the Mountain uh, King. Most okay. most people have has probably they most people have probably heard that uh, the song in, in some form or fashion. Yes. Um, uh, it's been I I want to say it's uh, I, I think it's a part of the Nutcracker. Um, I could be mistaken. Um, shut your mouth. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, no, it's not. Um, it's um, what musical is this from? Uh, mm. It's from a play called Peer Gint. Mm. It's a Norwegian play. Ooh. It's a romantic drama, apparently. But anyway, but most people. I'm sure you've heard it. Um, and to be honest, it's, it's very, um, it's very haunting for mm-hmm. a human being to whistle that because it's already haunting piece of music anyway. Um, which I think just adds to how terrifying Hans really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, um, we can see that in the, in the community itself, you know, we have that, that gentleman just standing outside of a building and this girl asked him what time it was. Right. Um, mm. I think that's what she asked him, right? Oh yeah. We uh, haven't, yeah. We haven't even talked about uh, how this has affected the town. Just everybody. And, and so, you know, yes, the, the crime syndicates and the, the, the police and the, the beggars, Everyone's trying to find him, but so are the people in the town, right? But instead of, you know, coming up with a solution and coming together and be like, we need to fix this, they just all turn on each other, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, paranoia is rampant throughout the city um, because of this. Now, anyone who talks to a child is now a suspect, right? Um, this poor yeah. guy is just telling the girl what time it was, and he's being assaulted on the street because he um, he spoke to her. Um, yeah, very, very 2023 of them. Jesus. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> hold on. I wanted to move on to something. Um, um, well, okay. Well, why are so, you? Oh, okay. You found it. I found it. So let's let's switch now from, from everyone who's trying to find this guy. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the guy. So uh, okay. Hans Becker. Okay. Hans Becker, uh, brilliantly played by Peter Lorre, who at this time um, in his career was mostly a comedic actor, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, I did. I did read that this was his his big break uh, because, yeah, he, he'd only been known for comedic roles. It changed his life. So um, he didn't like it because of how popular it became and how he became synonymous with creepy serial killers. Um, 
But after this, um, I think it was two years after this, he worked with uh, Alfred Hitchcock in The Man Who Knew Too Much, the original. Um, and then he went on to do, you know, Casablanca, Maltese Falcon, um, stuff with uh, Karloff and, and Lugosi and, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, this movie changed his life, basically. Um, and what, I mean, it's a really good role to get. It's a creepy, terrible, horrible, awful person to play, but um, he's so good. And it's mostly just his face, you know. Um, yeah. His face does most of now, it. Now, I was thinking about this today. I should have asked mm-hmm. you this before we started recording, but I'm just going to ask you on mic. Um, is he, I'm assuming Peter Lorre, is he the inspiration for that Looney Tunes character that has big bug eyes? And What a good question. And yes, I think so. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, he, he, he talks like is he's he the doctor who creates the big red guy. Yeah, yeah. With the sneakers, I think, yeah. he's my favorite. By the way, the big red guy with the sneakers. He has a name. I just don't know. Yeah. Um. Hang on. Let me uh, keep talking. Let me look sure. this up. So, um, again, Peter Lorre is tremendous in this. Um, I think it's about. It's either his name years? is Doctor Lorre. There you go. Um. He. I think he's either not in the he's not seen fully in the movie until 45 minutes in. Um his face. And yeah, it yes, it, it was meant to be a a parody of Peter Lorre. Peter Lorre, yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, so I what I love is that we we're obstructing his view um or we're obstructing his face for a long time in this movie. Um just sort of build this sort of ominous, it could be anybody sort of a deal, even though we know it's not these people they're accusing, but um, you know, it's sort of this looming threat over Berlin and 45 minutes in, we finally get that shot of him in the mirror and doing those faces or, he, mm-hmm. you know, manipulating his face for some reason. Oh, um, and Maybe future Ren will put it up, but like, yeah, if anyone thinks of that's who I'm talking about. It's Peter Lord. Yeah. Uh, now, sorry. Now is I'm because I'm sure now that I've shown you the picture and you can hear his voice, is that how Peter Lorre actually sound sounded once he learned English? In English, yeah. That's what it's oh, okay. <laughs> he sounds a little different. Just very like just very uh um it's a little nasally. Kind of like nasally breathy yeah <laughs> yes that is anyway, how it sounds yeah okay good okay <laughs> um i should have texted right. you uh, this is this i was going to say this for later but i should have texted you on the criterion release you can watch the english language version of the movie um and really? he gives the they, his monologue in english in the last bit um fritz lang didn't film it um, the studios back then uh, german films shot um an english language version simultaneously uh sort of like um a dracula they did it in spanish you know same thing um uh, okay. to reach a wider audience with their movie so they would just shoot it in a different language at the same time um and i'm um and i'm assuming they just dubbed over it in english so a lot of it yeah some of it is dubbed over but 
Frit, uh, but Peter Lorre uh, shot separately in English. Um, oh, in, okay. in the at least in the final bit because I only watched that part in English. I didn't want to sit through the whole thing again in English mm, because exactly. it would drive me crazy because the 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 picture quality was worse. Now, um, before we move on uh, yeah. off the whole animated Peter Lorre thing, if anyone else still doesn't know what I'm talking about. Just watch the scene in Aladdin where Genie's yeah. giving his rules about bringing that he can't bring people back from the dead. Yeah. Because now that I know, I'm like, oh, okay, then he was doing Peter Lorre. Peter Lorre. Yeah. You know how kids love Peter Lorre impressions? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what he said. Hey, like, all right, so what are you what are you gonna do for the rules, uh, Robin? Like, hey, you know how you know how all these 10-year-olds, they just love Peter Lorre? And they're like, <laughs> No, no. <laughs> He's like, too bad. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, I'm doing Peter Lorre, so I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> it's a spot on Peter Lorre impression, by the way. If you go watch Aladdin again, it's really good. Um, yeah, shout out to the original Aladdin, not the guy Richie Aladdin. Watch the original. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so even okay, though so- I don't. <laughs> I was just going to say, even though I don't condone a child murderer, mm-hmm. his monologue mm-hmm. at the end, because we're, we're, we're not there still yet. talking Hold about on. Hans. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Because right, right. um, we will get there because we're building this sort of, we're building to you, this guy's despicable to, oh my God, I hope they don't catch him. You know, we, and it's such Mm -hmm. a short amount of time, but how did he do that? How did Fritz Lang do that? And here's some, here's maybe some ways he could have done that sort of manipulated us in this way. Um, so yes, he's a child murderer, right? Little girls, especially. Right. Um, I sent you pictures. You're going to put them up. Um, yes, because I love this and I'm going to use a fancy, a film studies word, um, but I'll explain. So right here, when he sees his next victim, it's after Elsie Beckman and mm-hmm. he's window shopping and he sees the reflection of that little girl in the shop window. Okay. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. beautiful piece of what we, of what not we, I'm not a film analysis, but uh, what uh, film study people uh, called mise-en-scene, okay? And that's literally what you see. It translates to literally what you see on screen, right? I've talked about it before, but here's right. a great example. Um, when when Peter Lorre, well, when Hans, when Hans sees her in the window, okay, she is in the mirror that we were seeing him through. Now, what's around the mirror are knives, by the way. Um Ah. what's bordering the mirror yeah um and so she then becomes something on display right she becomes Mm. something he's shopping for right in a way Uh, which is why fritz lang is using her in reflection instead of just cutting from him to her right um right it's so brilliant i love the way he's using reflections and camera angles in, in this scene um Oh yeah, yeah. Shop I, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it too. 
now hearing that, I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. It's so cool, right? Um, and so again, it's a it's a beautiful piece of mise en scene. If you wanted to, an easy way to learn the term, there you go. Um, using um, using the camera, using blocking, using lighting to give you this image of of a sort of um, of what's going on psychologically with him or what's going on um, you know with his intentions right um, mm-hmm. however here's where we start to get you know this this sort of like huh that was weird is that when he sees the the girl he's not excited right he's not mm-hmm. um, he's not smiling he's not um He's not looking forward to it, right? He's physically in yeah. pain when he sees her, right? He's he's again um, trying to stop his mouth from whistling. Number one, um, as if it's a compulsion, right? Um, mm-hmm. He's you know he's he's gripping the side of the building. He's swaying back and forth. He's closing. He's he's you know. Uh, gripping his eyes shut um because he doesn't he doesn't feel like he wants to do this but he feels so compelled to right um Mm -hmm. we see this later on in the uh, the cafe where he's just he's losing his mind by um by the compulsive whistling and you know him just clawing at his face and you know because he feels he he feels so compelled uh, to to kill, yeah. right? Which again infers what we later hear at the end of the movie, which we'll get to. Um, so that's what that's again what you may not have realized at the time, but deep down you're like, ah, he's not excited about it, right? Um, right? He's not seeking these girls out again, which is you know he just happens upon this one, just like he happened upon Elsa Beckman. Um, He's again, he's not hunting, right? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really interesting. So, I, I again, I really, the scene is very, very important in terms of character development and just it's just cool the way Fred Sign does it. Um, yeah, and 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 he's almost relieved when that first girl meets up with her mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. then, yeah, that's when he goes to the cafe because he's like, I, I've, I've got to do something. I have to do something right now. Yeah. 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 Um, again, brilliant. And so later when he has that girl, it's not the same one, I don't think. But um, No, it's a different girl. When he has that girl with him and he knows he's being watched, he knows he's being chased um, when he gets the M on his jacket. Um, he's still trying to keep her with him, even though like it, it's, it's either a brilliant piece of acting or I'm reading into it too much, but I, you know, he's, he's so torn between, I have to get away, but, ah, but I have to take her with me, you know, um, mm-hmm. until of course he just loses her all together and then just goes and saves himself. Um, he I don't. I don't think you're. 
I don't think you're reading too much into it because, you know, from what we know by his monologue mm-hmm. later, um, that would make sense that if it's if it's a compulsion, he's like, well, I got to keep her with me, yeah. you know, uh, until. Yeah, until he realizes, I think something internally was telling him, no, you, you got to run, give mm-hmm. up on the girl and go. Yeah. And um, and and then it becomes this chase, right? This is what Fritz Lang likes to do. Uh, mm-hmm. It becomes this cat and mouse chase. Now, what I also like about this is that while he's being chased by uh, the beggars, um, our, our sophisticated crime syndicate um, is, is trying to track him down another way um, by – um, by breaking into that bank, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they almost teach you how, which is kind of cool because it reminds you of Rafifi. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost a, an instruction book on how to break into a bank in a very similar way, by the way. Um, yeah. And but but not as not as careful as Rafifi. No. A little, a little bit more careless. Yeah, not nearly as careful, right? Because they get caught. Yeah, but well, one guy gets caught. Well, yeah, um, yeah. And again, I like you know once they catch this guy. I know I'm yada yada through a lot of this, but if you've seen it, you understand, and I don't need to talk through it. Um, I, I like when they catch him. They're they're sort of baffled that you guys didn't take anything. You know what are you guys idiots? You know you guys were yeah. so close. You guys were right there. You know. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. Because they catch. Yeah, they catch. Yeah, they guy. catch the one guy they they the one guy they left behind. Very well dressed, all of them. Um, he's yeah. wearing a cardigan to to rob a bank. Um, yeah, but he, again, they're not robbing a bank, right? Um, they're they're trying to corner this guy. Um, mm-hmm. And I love the the sort of the 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 realization that they found him. Right, this sort of like, mm-hmm. um, uh, with uh, what was his name, um, Loman. Sorry. Yeah, with Loman, um, because Loman is is just trying to figure out. He just can't make any sense of it, and new information comes in. They're like, yeah, they broke in, but they didn't take anything. And like, what do you mean they didn't take anything? And then it's like, did they break into the the bank? He goes, yes, technically they broke into the building, but not the safe and not the rooms and not the whatever. He goes, why not? And so I like the back and forth of this procedure, right? Again, it's very procedural, this sort of let's get this information and how do we get it and all that stuff. Um, Well, and it's not until it's not until Franz, the guy they caught, says why they were there. And it kind of quickly turns into just this brief, like 45 seconds, a slapstick. Loman is so shocked that he, a cigarette drops out of his mouth and then he's like, forgets yeah. that he dropped it and he's like trying to take it out. And then he doesn't know which side he's on. He's like, wait, what did you just say? Yeah. And, and then I love, he goes in the bathroom and fixes his hair. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets like himself put together. <laughs> yeah. Which is because he's like, he's like, Oh my God, we, th- we can, we can end this right now. Right. Um, yeah. And I love that a part of me loves that the cops didn't do it. Right. Uh, yeah. The, the criminals caught him. 
Um, and all right, so here here comes our favorite part, right? So they capture um, they capture Hans. They take him down to this basement. And by the way, uh, just an aside, um, Peter Lorre never worked with Fritz Lang again because they did the scene where he gets thrown down the stairs like 12 times. Um, oh, no. So Fritz Lang, again, he's a very good filmmaker, one of my favorites. He's not the best guy in the world. Uh, he is notorious for treating his actors horribly, right? Um he takes it a step further than Hitchcock. Hitchcock famously said actors are like cattle. They just need to be herded. Right. Oh. Fritz Lang, oh. Fritz Lang adds manhandling to that. So you can throw them down the stairs as many times as you want. They're actors who cares. Um, and, and so he refused to give Peter Laurie a day off, even though the day he was asking off, he wasn't shooting. And Fritz said, who cares? You're coming in anyway. Um, it's stuff like that. So, um, anyway, that's just an aside. So, um, he gets dragged down to this basement and oh my God, the reveal that everyone in the town basically is in that basement. It's the coolest shot, man. And this is the movie with cool shots and this is the best one. Oh yeah. It, It reminded me a lot of a lot of the reveals in metropolis Mm -hmm. a lot, you know? Yeah. It's big in scale. Um, Yeah. Just because of the number Um, of people that had the end it, I guess. Yeah. But this is, uh, this is, you know, this is when everything is the most intense, you know? And again, we only have 15 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. And, and they hold this, you know, impromptu, trial um honestly a, an unjust trial well not unjust um an unfair trial because you know what you would think so and it does feel that way because it is that way however um something that i wrote down and something i wanted to ask you about i think i know the answer by now because i thought about it for a few days because i watched it on friday um mm-hmm. is why give him a defense lawyer Right, um, That's and true. he takes it seriously. the The guy is, you oh, know, yeah, he, like he's like he's not messing around. He's not there just cause, right? He's giving him a yeah. defense, and it's reasonable, right? This, you know, mm-hmm. it's like yes, he's a horrible person, but he doesn't deserve to die, right? Not like this, and he needs to be taken mm-hmm. through the justice system. And here's why I think they gave him a defense. Well. Why do you think they gave him a defense lawyer? And then we'll, we'll go with whatever. I think because when I say unfair, like I don't mean that like Hans shouldn't have been put on trial. It's just unfair in the sense that they all had their minds made up. It didn't matter. Like, but I think if if we're going off of that, I think it was because it was a way to ease their conscience in a way like, well, if we gave him a defense attorney and had someone in his defense, uh, it doesn't matter if we kill him anyway, someone was in his corner, you know, that kind of thing. No, that's not, that's not bad. I was thinking more, um, more just overall 
overall narrative and plot that we need the audience to be sort of like it's for us, the audience, not necessarily mm, mm-hmm. for the characters involved, but it's for the audience to sort of also have that sort of hesitation because without him, he'd be like, fucking kill him, tear him apart. Who cares? You know? Right. But now that he has a defense lawyer, you're like, well, hold on, you know, gosh, yeah, let's, he's got a point. Let's hear him out. He's got a yeah. point, right? Uh, that, you know, yes, what he's done is unforgivable, but do you want to stoop to his level, right? And it's that sort of philosophical debate um, where it's like, yeah, we got him, but do we finish the job? However, the save cracker is like, yes, however, if we don't, he could be let go and kill all over again, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There's always that possibility. And then you're like, well, you know, he's got a point. You know, he might uh, just go yeah. ahead and kill again if he's given the chance to, especially since he, Hans himself, claims to have this compulsion that he cannot help, um, which is, I think, one of the first times in film that a a murderer or a bad guy is given a psychological defense um, for their actions, right? Giving them almost mm. a psychological profile, yeah. um, which is new um, in in terms of you know um, in in terms of storytelling in this this sort of storytelling um, because it makes you think you're like oh especially people of that audience of the time are like I don't think I've ever thought of that before you know. Yeah. What if he really can't help it? And I'll tell you this. The first time I saw it, I thought, no, he can totally help it and he's lying. But the more times I've seen it, I'm like, "Mm." we're given evidence to to the contrary that he might not – he might not be able to help it, right? Uh, we, Mm -hmm. We have his sort of his hesitation with the the girl at the shop window, right? Um, the mm-hmm. and the other girl right before that, where he seems relieved that um, there was a there was an adult there with him. Um, so it, it gives a sort of validity to this claim that he really truly cannot help it. I, yeah, I think the only piece of evidence that we have that supports that maybe he can't is the letters that he's been writing to the press, mm-hmm. which we, which we haven't talked about, but we have not. I mean, well, I mean, that only serves about that much plot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, cause in the letter that he writes, he says that he's not done. Right. So that would serve the evidence of, well, no, he can help it. He's just mm-hmm. lying. Right. You know, um, but you know what? I think you're right. I, I think, I think Fritz really wanted the audience to question like, well, then who's right? Like if, if, if the defense attorney is saying that, you know, if we kill him, we're on his level, but if they're saying like, well, even if he goes through the whole, you know, asylum and he gets out and he's cured, what's to say he won't start killing again, you know? So I think, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. I I think, I think that makes more sense narratively. Now I'm going to ask you this. You don't have to have an answer. Because I don't know if I do. Okay. Um, but where do you fall? Where do you fall in this um, with with Hans? So, okay. 
I don't want this to sound like a cop out, mm-hmm. but I but I don't have an answer because yep. because both are compelling arguments. You know, one right. side of me believes the defense attorney that if if we kill him, yeah, we're we're now stooped down to his level. You know, um, he needs a fair trial. He needs mm-hmm. help. But then again, that part of me that's believing the defense attorney is coming from mo- our modern time of you know, people with a mental illness. They they need help. Mm-hmm. The other half of me does agree with the syndicate. You know, what if he does get cured? What's to say that one day he won't just snap? You know, yeah. you know people, you know people fall, or, or like if he escapes, you know. And so, it's really hard. Like I said, the the optimistic in me, and the, you know, my wife has really bad anxiety, and so the part of me that says he needs help, kind of outweighs it, but both are valid arguments and both have mm-hmm. valid points. So I, I don't know, man. Yeah, I know. So I think the majority of me says fucking tear them apart, right? Uh, get the yeah. whole mob in there and just tear them to pieces. Who cares? Right. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, <laughs> but you're right. A little piece of me is like, man, that defense attorney, I don't know. However, yeah, because yeah, and in a brilliant turn, an unexpected turn, uh, Lang doesn't give you an answer, and he just um, has the cops take him and put him through the the legal justice system, and we don't even get an answer to that either. Um, mm-hmm. All uh, all we know is that Elsie's mom says. Um, I have it written down. Someone must watch the. Oh, I'll let you say it then. Uh, one has to keep a closer watch over our children. Um, which will be the title of this episode, by the way. It's on mic, so we have to do it. Um, and yeah, he, he ends it that way. Instead of instead of giving us an answer, instead of giving us a a definitive end to this cat and mouse chase to this crime story. Um, he just leaves it up to you. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I should have looked it up. Although it's just occurring to me now that I don't know the answer to this is if, uh, Germany has a death penalty. Um, surely they do, but I don't, I don't know. In, in the thirties, I would say probably, I would think so. Probably. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's, maybe, so maybe. It, I mean, maybe. I was right? going to say, I was, I was just going to say maybe not now, but maybe mm-hmm. back then. Because makes then more sense. you could still, because if they did, right. Um, mm-hmm. You could still then keep that same argument with yourself, which is, do they, do they put them in jail forever? Do they put them in an institution? forever do they kill him mm. right mm-hmm. you can still have this debate with yourself if that is the case um if not then the answer is there for you you only get two options um yeah but it's it's more compelling to me if they did have the death penalty because that keeps that option open 
Um, right. And then what would you do? Right. What what outcome would you want? What would be the most satisfying or what would be the most. The most correct or right thing to do. Right. Um, right. And there really is no answer. And I think that's the whole point of the ending of this is, you know, um, is no option is the right option. Right. Maybe. But um, right. God, this movie is just so good. <laughs> Um, it's it's great man um like i mentioned last week when when you really got me into the the criterion collection you begged me be sure you get him get him and as i was and as i was telling you off week uh off mic um i thought i'd had it for a couple years because you you got me into it when we first started the podcast so four Mm -hmm. years ago so i thought i'd had it for a while um as i found out uh, I've only had it for two years, um, but still, I mean, it's it's such a phenomenal movie, you know, and when I was doing a little bit more, I was trying to do a little bit more research for the episode. One of the things I came across is that it's widely considered one of the best movies ever made, which I would uh, I would agree to. Definitely. Uh, Roger Ebert, it's on his greatest films list. Um, it's like beyond a four, right? It's a four, but it's also on this list, you know? Um, not every right. four is on this list. So um, so that's a big deal. It's on Letterboxd's top, uh, top 250 of the narrative films of all time. Um, yeah. I think it's on the IMDb one too. Um, it's a, I think it's it, a, I think it was... Yeah, I think it was also on the 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 article that Scott sent me. Um, but of course, I was like, well, I already own it and I've already seen it. So uh, it's but. God, man, there's something about this movie specifically. I haven't seen just so, you know, any of the other ones that left on on this list for this season. I have not seen them, so I don't know. Um But I have a feeling they're not going to be as good, which is a shame. I don't want to, you know discourage anything i'm sure they're still going to be really good but nothing's going to beat this one this is sort of like you know fritz lang pretty much invented you know this style of uh, storytelling basically um in roundabout ways yeah or at least set yeah. the trend right he's a trendsetter in a lot of ways or a, or a standard setter um and consistently in in these movies that we're doing, uh, Fritz Lang is either the first to come up with something or one of the first or doing something doing something pretty standard, but in a unique way that makes it completely unique to him, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm bragging. I guess I'm just saying I picked a good one. <laughs> Um, yeah, de- definitely. <laughs> also, I wanted to brag. I have these here. Um, I own <laughs> this is insane. So we're wrapping up, by the way. Um, and and if you've made it this far, yeah, I own three copies of this movie, guys. Um, <laughs> like this is real stuff. You know what I mean? Like I'm. I used to own four uh, copies, but I got rid of the DVD copy. So, um. 
Also, because they, they have different covers. I mean, look at this one. This one's really cool, right? And then, sorry for people who are just listening, uh, the Criterion release is just incredible, right? It's just perfect. Yeah. I found this one at Waterloo Records, and uh, it's so cool. Like, there's no reason for me to have three copies, but I do. Man, uh, shout out to Waterloo. <laughs> shout out to Waterloo, man. I know. It was super, that's, it was that's where I um, – I'm pretty sure I told you that's where I first saw the, uh, the Zatoichi mm-hmm. box set right above my head. Um, and they had it there for cheap. Well, cheaper than what it's listed on the criterion website, yeah. but it was only like $10 cheaper. And I'm like for a used version. Nah. No, I'll just buy it. And then I got, and I got lucky and this one was hella cheap. So that's what's up. Yeah. Shout out to Waterloo Records in Austin, go if you have Yeah. Time. Yeah. If anyone lives in Austin or you go visit Austin a lot, um, I mean, anytime I go to Austin, that's one of the places I usually hit up. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, I always do. Need, yeah. I mean, uh, we're probably going to go when we go in July, but I'll probably have to get a new record instead of a new movie sure. since yeah. Ashley Nice Challenge is still in play. But. Get the new national record. You know, first two pages yeah. of Frankenstein. Go get the new national record. Yeah, I mean, of of what I'd listened to it so far, I love it. Um, yeah, it's really good. Even even though I really like Anthony Fantano, I don't like that he gave it a light two. Um, well, his review, he literally slept through the review. So like I've he sat it. next to his – yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. It's funny but unfortunate. <laughs> um, yeah. Despite, yeah, I'm very disappointed that he didn't like it. It's not the end-all be-all answer to people's uh, – opinions so that's and he knows that um yeah anyway so i hope you guys enjoyed him let me know what you think in the comments i know i usually don't ask this because you fucking guys don't ever um comment anything ever youtube facebook instagram nothing radio silence from all of you but i'd like to know where do you fall on this on the scale of what should be done with with hans um because there is no right answer. There is no wrong answer. I just want to know. Um, I lean more towards the of mob justice. Street justice is how I am. Um, <laughs> uh, Reigns is a little more 50-50 and conclusive, you know? So let me know. Um, Zach, you can just text it to me, I guess. <laughs> Anyone else, if you're listening to this, uh, and if you have my number, text me. Let me know. Um, let Rain know if you have his number. Um, I'll put I'll put his number uh, here on screen. Well, so like just, Eric Andre, so you can just text him anytime you want. Um, but yeah, so love this movie again. It's my favorite um, at the time of this recording. Favorites change, so at least mine do. So, um, but yeah, this one's a. This one's very important to me. So I, I love this movie very, very much. Wayne? Yeah. yeah. Yes, Jeremy. What's next week? So uh, next week it is my turn again. Um, and here, let me just make sure. I'm pretty sure that that movie is the next one. But uh, yes, it is. Can I just tell you what uh, you're okay. doing that? Um, so, so before you say that, I, I want to tell you which ones I'm most excited about. I don't know why I'm compelled to do this right mm-hmm. now. But I cannot wait 
to talk about big fish. I just want to skip to that one. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh, I love that movie, but we still have one, two. Oh, oh, dude. oh, don't worry. We're okay. almost there. We're almost there. Okay, that's fine. We have this movie, one more, and then it's Big Fish. Fine. Okay, that's fine. Um, so as we were talking about off mic, uh, this is definitely Tim's – of the movies I picked, this is definitely his weirdest Um and now I've not seen this movie all the way through from start to finish. I've oh, seen scenes, but I've never seen it from start to finish. Uh, next week we are talking about Mars attacks. Um, I think, I think most people will know this movie because of its uh, Martians with their exposed brains and uh, the Chihuahua that has its head swapped with a woman. Yep. Um, that's all I remember about it. Uh, I didn't even know that uh, <laughs> Jack Nicholson was in the movie. I don't remember that either. I remember <sighs> Pierce Brosnan's in this movie. Is that right? Yes. Um, I think Pierce Brosnan. Yes, Pierce Brosnan. Lisa Marie is also in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Again, she was Annette Benning. Okay. Um, and yes, Lisa Marie is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh again Danny he was dating DeVito. Lisa Marie. Okay. Again, I'm really mad about that. And I'm more mad about the uh uh the Monica um Monica uh, Bellucci. Monica Bellucci. I'm more mad about that, I guess, but <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I mean I'm excited to watch it. Um because I mean Tim's a weird dude, and this is definitely of the movies I picked, this is definitely his weirdest. Um, Do you know if it's based on anything? Is this like a uh, is this like something he came up with? Um, or do you know? I mean, if you don't know, that's fine. We can always talk about that next week. I just curious. oh, it says based upon Mars Attacks by Tops right. on on the back of my Blu-ray. Okay. So by the way, I guess it's based on something. Hate the phrase "based upon." You're not putting it on anything. That's what that means. It's based on. Not based upon. That's a pet peeve I have. That's, well, that's what it says on the credits. It's what it says on a based lot of things. Upon. And I don't like it. Yeah. Because that's not I don't think that's what um, it, at least it's not what it should be. Oh oh my god. It's it was a trading card game. That makes sense. That's what it's based on. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um it's garbage pale kids in this. So Oh dear God in heaven. Okay. Um, there you go. That fills in some gaps. Yeah. So yeah, next week, Mars attacks. Cool. Well, everyone, we hoped you enjoyed M, uh, and we will see you next week for Mars attacks.